Welcome to another episode of the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast, where we offer actions and steps you can take today to start balancing your hormones naturally. This is your podcast host, Leah Brueggemann. I am a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner. I am honored and excited to be your guide on your journey to better understanding your hormonal health and how it affects your everyday life. Hey ladies, welcome back to another episode of the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast. I have an amazing guest here. So we have Lauren Kelly Chu, who is a medical doctor, correct? Yep. MD. Yeah. Um, and she is the head of clinical products at Levels, which you guys have heard me talk about Levels because I used it, I don't know, a little bit over a month ago. And it's, I'm so excited. You guys are in for a treat. So you can hear Mr. Landon's on and he is coloring. So if you hear someone like frantically, like making noise, that's who that is. So I'd love for you to uh, introduce yourself really quick and just kind of share with me, like why, why levels? Like, why did you decide to, you know, found something like this? Very excited to be here and love the topics that you're covering in your podcast and on your social channel. I think it's, it's so important and it's not talked about enough. Um, I came to levels after being in the healthcare field, kind of from a variety of perspectives. So I actually started off as an investor um, and learned about healthcare from the, the business side through that. And then I went and did my clinical training, got an MD. And from there, I knew that I wanted to do something in medicine, but I wanted to do something also that I thought might have the potential to change the way the medicine is practiced. Because what I noticed when I was in my clinical training is that there's a lot of parts of the system that are broken. And I think anyone who has interacted with the traditional healthcare system has seen all the ways that that is manifested. Um, so I actually then co-founded a digital therapeutic startup, worked on that for several years. That took me um, in the end to the life sciences arm of Google, where I then worked on emerging products and biosensors and all kinds of interesting things. And then from there, I ended up at level. So it's been kind of an interesting road in terms of seeing different sides of healthcare and medicine and very excited to be at levels because I really, really care about blood sugar and metabolic health. And it's just a perfect fit for me in that way. Oh yeah. And if you guys are like, what the heck is levels? Um, levels is an app that gives you access to continuous glucose monitors and it shows you how food affects your, your glucose basically. But Okay. So in high school, I was like a straight A student. (laughs) So the fact that levels like gives me a score after I eat was like, like my competitive side came out and I was like, I need to get an eight or a 10. Like, and when I got a 10, I'm like dancing. I'm like, yes, look at this. This is amazing. Um, so I love that because I think you know, even though some people may have access to continuous glucose monitors, like what do they do with it? Right. And I think that, um, you'll see your blood sugar score or your effects and you're like, Oh, well, like my doctor says it's, you know, under 160 after I eat. So that's great. Or, um, well, I feel like levels really is like, okay, how can we optimize your blood sugar and your metabolic health for, you know, your goals? So, yeah. Can we just talk about that a little bit? Like, is that why you guys structured it? Cause you know that people are competitive like me. <laughs> I would make it more broader, which is that 
essentially we're, we're focused on behavior change. And so, because kind of, as you pointed out, I think at this point, whether you're wearing continuous glucose monitor or you're just in the world, seeing all the information and granted a lot of the information out there, I think is confusing and sometimes purposely confusing, but there's basic tenets of health that many of us know the real challenge. And this is a challenge for me too, is doing those things. So for example, everyone says don't drink sodas or don't eat a lot of processed food. I think everybody knows that that would improve their health, but how do you get from the habits that you have now to the new habits? That's really what levels is about. And the continuous glucose monitoring is a tool for that. Like you said, it gives you an amazing window into your health, um, which I think is for me was, was really, really kind of incredible to see, but even almost more powerfully from our perspective, it's a tool that we can use to help people change their habits. So, right. So for example, it's like what you said, accountability, you eat something, you see exactly what's happening in your body. Um, and when you have that accountability and, and that kind of real-time feedback, then it leads to more of a sense of empowerment and self-control, right? Then you're mm-hmm. saying, well, if I know what happens to my body, I understand my body, I understand the choices that I'm making and the impact those have, then I have more autonomy to choose the path forward for the, my own health. Um, so yes, the scoring, we've actually, we've experimented a lot with different ways of giving people that motivation, giving them that information, um, the encouragement, because I'd be curious your perspective on this, but I think oftentimes diet information um, or behavioral um, kind of behavioral change companies, other things, there's a lot of shame and judgment that can go into this where you Mm -hmm. provide something and rather than encouraging people to change, it's more like you did something wrong you Mm -hmm. don't have the discipline to do it right. And that's what we're trying to stay away from. So we've done a lot, a lot of work in terms of how do we make the scoring system motivational, inspirational, informational, but not judgmental. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And see, I just found it so interesting. So when I tried it, like I'm, everyone knows I'm pregnant. So obviously blood sugar is a little bit wonkier. Um, when you're pregnant and what I just, so I started using it and I've been balancing my blood sugar manually, you know, like paying attention to the structure of my meals. Okay, sweetie, for a really long time. And, you know, I've never worn a continuous glucose monitor or anything before this. I had just always really paid attention to how I feel, how I'm sleeping. And my mind exploded because I could see the difference in my blood sugar based off of how much sleep I got, like how, how well I slept. Um, when I got stressed, I literally just watched my blood sugar go up and I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even eat anything. Like, how is this? You hear these things all the time. You know, you talk about, you know, manage your stress, but when you actually see that blood sugar go up, when you're stressed, it makes the world of difference in you managing it because you can see that real data, like in real time going, Oh, wow. Like this is affecting my health. And I love how you guys would, um, give these, uh, reminders or the score, like, Hey, did something happen at this time? Cause we noticed a rapid glucose change. And I was like, no, I didn't eat anything at that time. So I went and looked and I was like, oh my gosh, I like went to do something that was really stressful. So I really liked that, you know, and I really liked how you would give a score and then they would say it was because you were in the danger zone of blood sugar for too long, or it was because the glucose was so such a rapid rise. 
And then you would talk about the foods that maybe caused that and have so many tips, like, you know, try getting in some walking, try some different types of exercise, um, maximize your sleep. I just, I thought it was such an incredible tool because I'm just, my husband was making fun of me. Cause he's like, you have no issues with your blood sugar. I'm like, I know, but just look at the data. It's so cool. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I just geeked out over it because if you have, and you can let me know, I feel like this would be invaluable for someone with like PCOS or insulin resistance or someone really struggling to lose weight. And they're like, why, um, what are your thoughts there? Absolutely. And it's interesting because about nine out of 10 Americans has some biomarker of metabolic dysfunction. So I think a lot, (laughs) it's a lot, it's almost everybody. And, and I think a lot of people think it's what you said. It's like blood sugar. Yes, for sure. Pre-diabetes and diabetes, but those are really the kind of further along conditions, right? Where it's your metabolic, your metabolism has gotten so out of whack that Mm -hmm. now you're seeing these blatant issues with blood sugar, but really you can have metabolic dysfunction for over a decade. Studies have Mm -hmm. shown before you get a pre-diabetes diagnosis. Um, And so I completely agree with you. I think having people be able to see how everything they do really impacts what is going on in their body. It's really life altering. And, And I think one of the things that's really interesting is when people are able to start pairing how they feel with being able to see those numbers. So for example, they'll say, wow, I feel like I'm really crashing in terms of their energy. And then they look at their blood sugar and it went from super high to super low. And what they're experiencing is a spike and a crash of blood sugar, um, right. Or like moods so much around moods. Um, but, but also to your point, things like PCOS, it, it is so, so tied to insulin resistance through so many different mechanisms. And I think, unfortunately, as I know that that you've talked about, and, and I think needs to be talked about more the way that things like PCOS are approached from the traditional healthcare system. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. You say to someone you're having a hormone imbalance, so we're going to give you birth control to just basically blanket over that whole thing. Okay. Maybe it'll change your symptoms, but it doesn't change the underlying cause. As you know, the underlying cause often is insulin resistance. And so if you change that, you actually change what's happening in the body and you actually get to health. Yeah. And I think so. I, I want to stay on insulin resistance for a second, because I think all the time, you know, they're given birth control, they're given metformin, um, they're told don't eat carbs, right? And you, you do need carbs for a healthy ovulation, right? You need that for your thyroid function. So cutting them out completely is, is not the answer, but <clears throat> I don't think there's any information that's ever given about how to actually manage that. Right. And I, and foods affect, um, everyone differently. This is what I found to be so enlightening to me, at least. So like if I was going to choose a treat, just anything, you know, pairing it with your meal was the most important, but I found that something that actually had less issues for me was like a really high quality, full fat, um, ice cream. And I would have a little bit with my meal versus like, I don't know, maybe you're just like, oh, I'm going to have like this treat over here. But like seeing how that individually, it didn't really affect my blood sugar that much. And I was like, okay, so that's something that I could take and tailor to my life, you know, opposed to just a blanket statement of like, 
you can never have blah, 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 because you have insulin resistance. So I think that kind of gives you more food freedom because you're seeing, oh, okay. Like a banana affects me differently than strawberries or something like that. So I think that, um, having that information is so powerful because you aren't like wandering around, like I can never eat carbs anymore, or I can never have treats anymore. Exactly. And I think the overall goal is to have metabolic flexibility. I I completely agree with what you said, these blanket statements about, for example, and I was keto for about eight months and I was really doing it seriously and it did not work for me. I think it's, for me, it's just really overly restrictive. And, And like you pointed out, most of the research on, for example, the keto diet has been done in men or was done in men in for for male physiology. And it's like, that works really well for men. But to your point, men are not ovulating. So their, their need for carbohydrates, their nutritional needs, their thyroid needs, they're different than women's. This is similar in in some ways to, to intermittent fasting. There's a whole bunch of things where the model has been male physiology and it does not necessarily, and probably almost certainly does not apply to female physiology. So it's um, frustrating because like, like there's just not enough research out there because women do respond differently depending on where they are in your, their cycle. Um, <clears throat> so actually, could we touch on that a little bit? So I know you are less sensitive to insulin in your luteal phase pre-period. So does this, is this something that levels takes into account? Do they like, um, have any information out there for your cycle? I didn't actually look into that. We're not, we don't currently have cycle tracking, um, but it certainly is on our radar. Um, and because to what you said earlier, there are so many things that are female specific where insulin resistance is such an important factor. So we're, we're definitely interested in, for example, gestational diabetes, PCOS, all of these things where there's a clear link. Um, but so far we have our core product and certainly anyone can use it. Um, and I think it would be powerful for so many people, but at this point, there's not specifically cycle tracking. Although I will say women have noticed that exactly what you said, which is in general, this is really broad, but during the first half of the cycle, you have a lower insulin resistance. So a higher tolerance Mm -hmm. for carbs and sugar. And in the second half, it's the opposite. And, um, and likewise around ovulation, there's some differences in terms of the peaks of different hormones and, um, kind of the types of stresses that your body might be able to handle in that first say nine to 14 day period versus after that. So there's been a lot of interesting observations, but we haven't done anything formally. So how would you talk to someone about optimizing that? If they're like, okay, I'm starting to see like wonky changes, um, get more cravings in that pre-period phase. Like what would be your tips to be like, okay, this, this is, would be like your top things to start to help stabilize that. I think it's, it's the, mostly the simple things that we've been talking about. So sleep, stress, movement, diet. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, I would add to that, that this idea that, that it should be easy for us to do all of those things all the time. That's not necessarily true. And so if you can only do a few of them, it's okay. It will still yeah. help mm-hmm. because I think there's, because at the same time, as you were saying that our insulin resistance is increasing as we approach oh. our period, also our carb craving is increasing. There was a study that just looked at women going about their daily lives and observed what they eat at different parts of their cycle. And in that last phase, 
um, on average, the women were eating over double the amount of carbs that they had been prior to that. Wow. Yeah. So there's, so there's real physiology going on here, which is to say that of course you want to optimize for low blood or stable blood sugar during that last phase, but also you have to respect the fact that it is going to be harder to do that than it was in the first half of your cycle. So that's why I think things like stress management, sleep, where you really set your body in movement, where you really set your body up to be in the absolute calmest state. You're, you're trying not to be in a fight or flight physiology so that when you have those carb, carb cravings, you're much more able to maybe make a healthier swap, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're craving a whole loaf of bread. And instead you have, I don't know, um, like one piece of a bread that's has a lower glycemic index and you put a whole bunch of fat and protein on it, mm -hmm. something like that. I also, so we talk a lot about cycle syncing on here and using nutrition to support the rise and fall of your hormones. And one of the foods that is really recommended for cycle syncing to eat pre-period um, is actually sweet potatoes because of the potassium and B vitamin content is very helpful for like those pre-period mood swings, potassium so good for your stress. And this is, this is what blew my mind is the fact that like eating a regular potato, like both, both carbs, both potatoes. Right. And you always hear people be like, Oh, choose sweet potatoes. If you're eating healthy. And I just never subscribed to that. I'm like, we need a variety, but I noticed the difference on my continuous glucose monitor. So a regular potato versus a sweet potato, sweet potato. I had a lot lower of a rise in glucose. And I was like, dang, there's a reason why this is the potato you want in your luteal phase. It's like, it all comes together. It's so cool. That is very interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't heard necessarily of the glycemic difference in that period for sweet potato versus potato, but, but I think that's such an example of learning your body yeah. and seeing what works for you. And then hopefully eventually being able to feel it where it's, you, you know, that you're like, okay, I ate that sweet potato. I can feel my blood sugar is mostly stable. Mm -hmm. So that eventually, if you're not wearing a continuous glucose monitor, you feel yeah. in your own body what's happening with the meals that you're eating. Yeah, I agree. So is this something that you would like our continuous glucose monitor, something you would recommend like long-term or is it like different stages of your life? Like learning how to understand your body? Like, what are your thoughts there? I think it depends on the person. And, and like you said, what phases of life you're going through. I've been wearing one for over a year now and I'm still learning. There's a lot of things where I know if I eat this meal, it's going to work out well for my body, but it's what you said, which is if I don't get a good night of sleep, that changes everything. If I'm stressed, that changes everything. Um, if I'm working out hard, that might change things. And so, and then on top of that, you have the normal cycling hormonally. Yes. So for me, it's really helpful to see it a lot. That said, I have friends who will wear it for two weeks, take it off, integrate what they've learned for three months, put it back on, get another check, take it off. And they do it more on a cadence like that. So mm -hmm. I think it really depends, but I do think that there's certain time periods probably for each person where it's especially relevant. For example, if you are going through a major hormonal transition, for example, pre-menopause or then menopause yeah. or, or pregnancy or certain, certain time periods where I think it would be especially interesting to track, or maybe even just times when you know, you're going to be under a lot of stress and mm -hmm. it's helpful just to be able to have that check so that you're not having to put so much energy into wondering how your blood sugar is doing. You can just check. Yeah. I, I think it's, I found it very interesting to correlate symptoms. So like 
Um, I have no other way to describe this, but you know, when your like legs or muscles kind of like get like the EBGBs, like you're, you're like, I need to like go under a weighted blanket or something like that. Like, or someone needs to like squeeze my muscles, um, similar to restless leg, but not, I actually, at least in pregnancy, I did correlate that when my blood sugar gets high and it wasn't really high. It wasn't, you know, like I wasn't even at 160. It would, it would top start hitting that point about 140. And that's not even like a danger zone for, you know, like in the health space, like it's not something that would be a red flag. So I don't know if it's just because I'm pregnant right now, but that was so insightful for me. Cause I'm like, I hate that feeling, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so if I was going to eat a meal or anything where I'm like, okay, this potentially could happen. I was so conscious. I would like literally do squats afterwards or go on a walk or do something to like give the glucose somewhere to go. And I noticed such a difference and I would have never correlated that with my blood sugar if I hadn't seen it. Absolutely. And the other thing, in addition to the height of the spike is also how quickly you get there. I've noticed for me that when my blood sugar elevates really rapidly, Right. Especially when I start to feel things like that, that kind of yeah. edge. And it's almost, I don't really drink much caffeine, but when I do overdo it on the caffeine, it's that feeling for me of kind of, uh, an anxious energy. Yeah. Um, and, and I now I recognize it immediately. And sometimes I surprise myself, I'll eat something then I'll be working. And then all of a sudden I feel that happening. And I think to myself, whoa, my blood sugar must be spiking. What did I eat? And I check it and it is spiking. And usually it's because for example, I don't know. I ate out, I had a salad and the salad actually had a lot of sugar in it. And I didn't know that. (laughs) I know. And I I think that's, (laughs) you can come across all the sneaky things that people like to put in your food when you go to restaurants. Cause you think, you know, you're having a salad and then the salad was full of like, you know, the dressing had so much sugar or, um, dried fruit. (laughs) That was like the, the whammy of my life. When I saw that, I was like, Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) It is. And the thing about dried fruit is it's a double whammy often because of course you're taking the sugar and the fruit and then you're dehydrating down the fiber of the fruit. So now you're able to eat just so much more than you would if it was normal, but also most of these fruits, they sweeten on top of that. For example, dried cranberries, as most people know, a cranberry is tart. So to get it to taste kind of sweet, you really have to put a lot of sugar on there. And then on top of that, you're eating maybe 20 cranberries instead of what you would have eaten normally if they were inflated, mm-hmm. so to speak, hydrated of maybe five or something like yeah. that. So dry, dried fruit is one of the biggest culprits of blood sugar spikes. Yeah, I found it. I found it very interesting because like, especially mine was raisins, I think is what I tried it with. Um, and I think this, so I know we talked about transition, but I think like when you are post or even peri to post-menopause. I know that this is a huge time where a lot of women experience weight gain specifically around their middle, which can be cortisol, insulin, estrogen, like all those types of things. Um, and I, I just think how valuable it would be to have levels at that time to see like, okay, these are the carbs that really nourish my body. Like when I have this snack before bed, my blood sugar is more stable throughout the night because it's crazy. Like insulin, um, just having that circulating your system. It's like, it's like the fastest way to gain weight, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I know 
like you said, a lot of times people are like, do intermittent fasting or cut out all your carbs, but it's not necessarily the best thing um, for you. So I think seeing that data is just, it's, it's so helpful. So helpful. I agree. And I think one of the things that is really helpful when you have on the continuous glucose monitor is that you get to see if your body is getting a rest from high blood sugar, because I agree with you. The goal is not necessarily to never have any, any sugar or carbs. I mean, right. You can have a flat glucose line drinking oil, mm-hmm. right. And that's not a healthy diet that we want to, to, right. to support, but it's more that your body needs times of rest when insulin is not surging, because mm-hmm. like you said, if insulin is always surging, you will not lose weight. It's almost physiologically impossible. I think to, to do that because it turns the switch off. It actually turns the switch on for fat storage and turns it off for fat burning. So one of the things that I think is helpful is if you are trying to personalize a diet is to just make sure that there are times when your blood sugar is stable over several hours, right? Where, where, you know, that your insulin can just take a break. I think that's, that's so important. And interestingly, in terms of menopause, this is very evolving research because again, not nearly enough research dollars have gone into this, but definitely it looks like there are links between, for example, hot flashes and blood sugar spikes. No. So, so yeah, this is once you get in there with insulin resistance, it is amazing. It touches basically every body system. I mean, it's, it's really incredible. And then on top of that, women are more likely than men to have a lot of things as they age, for example, more likely to be overweight or obese by 45, uh, more wow. likely to have impaired glucose tolerance, more likely to have sleep disturbance, which like we were saying, then can trigger a cascade of um, insulin resistance, stress hormones being released, all kinds of things. And of course, uh, cardiovascular risk also is, is higher for women. So in addition wow. to just the overall desire to kind of feel alive and feel clear and not have hot flashes and those things, there's also just a lot of risks that women encounter because of their physiology that I think we can really modify with with reduced insulin resistance and just better blood sugar control. If you are anything like me right now, you're like, I need to try this out and I want to see what's going on for myself because obviously optimizing your blood sugar is so important. So you can go to levels, L-E-V-E-L-S dot link forward slash Leah B and you can definitely check them out there. They have two different options for you. You can get access to um, the app and obviously all of the nutrition knowledge, access to order the metabolic panel, everything that we talked about for $1.99 per year. Or you can, what you can do is have access to all of that as well as try out a continuous glucose monitor and share that data through that app for $1.99 per shipment. So definitely check it out. Let me know if you have any questions. I thoroughly enjoyed using mine and getting that knowledge, whether you just do it for a month or you do 14 days here, 14 days there, the knowledge is truly going to be invaluable to your health. So go ahead and go to levels.link forward slash Leah, L-E-A-H-B. And we'll also put that in the show notes for you. Okay. So I, that the fact that you said this, I have a client who is, um, postmenopausal very recently postmenopausal. And she came to me with like crazy hot flashes and we were, you know, working on some other things and 
we were doing some homeopathy and working on, you know, stabilizing her hormones. And she's like, you know what? I slept a lot better and didn't really have any hot flashes the time I worked out that day. And I was like, okay. And we've really been working on balancing her blood sugar. And she, she's like, my hot flashes are gone, but she recently had her labs done. Like her hormones are really low still. So it wasn't like anything had changed there. And now I'm like, okay, it was the blood sugar. Like that's, that's wild. It is. It's, it's wild. The number of things that blood sugar impacts is just wild. And I think when it comes to things like mood or for, for example, hot flashes, there's so many things where I think, especially women, we've just been told, well, this is normal. When you go through menopause, you're, you might have dramatic hot flashes and you just basically have to deal with it. Yeah. And of course it, it, it doesn't have to be your normal. And I think what we're increasingly realizing is so many of these things that we've considered normal are actually just normal in the sense that they're happening to everybody, but they don't need to happen to everybody. And for, for example, moods, right? Like so many women, I know they're like, why I just have these big mood swings and that's just who I am. That's my personality. And of course, I think everyone's personality should be honored and and everyone's personality is different, but many people who have stabilized their blood sugar realize that actually they're not moody in that way anymore. And that thing that they thought they just was just them. It's not them. It's just their blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Especially like anxiety is a huge one. Exactly. With that. Uh, okay. There's two more things I really want to touch on. One is actually dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, is there, is there a connection with blood sugar? Of course. Yes. Yeah. And I say, of course, only because to me, it's still so incredible how many things are linked to blood sugar. It's actually so linked to blood sugar that many people are now calling Alzheimer's type three diabetes. Whoa. Whoa, Yeah. Right. It's really interesting. And there's a lot of research on what the mechanisms are of that. And of course the brain requires a ton of glucose to function. It's like, it's one of the, it may even be the largest um, user of glucose in the body. So Mm -hmm. you can see, you you can imagine that when your glucose balance is off, of course your brain will be impacted. Mm -hmm. Um, Both in terms of the kind of its ability to function with the energy that's being supplied, but also all kinds of other aspects of the kind of sensitive balance that the brain needs to do its functioning best. For example, the functioning of the blood brain barrier and how that is allowing the right nutrients to get in at the proper amounts and keeping other things out. All of these things that looks like can be disturbed through metabolic dysfunction. So there's a ton of research being done on this. I think it's, um, it's really, it's really amazing that we're finally starting to understand this, but it's also very daunting because right. It's it's, and, and I think the umbrella of all of this, of course, is high blood sugar and metabolic dysfunction leads to a lot of inflammation. And mm-hmm. when that inflammation, that kind of ecosystem of inflammation has its effects on the brain, it's easy to imagine that that would create issues. Yeah. I actually find it, it quite sad. Actually, I've seen this on social media a lot. There'll be um, people sharing their being on a continuous glucose monitor. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, look at this food spiked it or this food didn't spike it. And the comments underneath, even from health professionals, like, well, if you don't have insulin resistance or diabetes, spiking your blood sugar is fine because like it will come back down. Your body will do what it's supposed to do. I'm like, we're, we're not going to touch on the, all the negative side effects. Like, yes, your body will come back down, but like, how do you think we end up with type two diabetes? Right. Right. That, that argument to me is, is unfortunate because yes, our bodies are incredibly resilient. We can put them through a lot, 
but eventually it's too much. Mm -hmm. This is the thing with insulin resistance in general is if you're spiking your blood sugar a lot and you're releasing insulin to counter that for a while, that will work. But eventually the pancreas will get so tired of trying to deal with that, that it won't be able to keep up. And, and then your blood sugar will get, will get out of control. And so I think this idea that it's okay until there's a clear sign that our body is broken. That's what we want to change because we have this huge window of opportunity before those overt signs of dysfunction are there to make some changes. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and like you said, I don't think it needs to be that you never eat a carb in your life. It's more like, how do you treat your body in the way that reduces stress on it as much as possible, Mm -hmm. knowing that life is stressful and stressors will come, but how do you, when you can, how do you not make it work harder than it needs to, so that it will last you as long as possible. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So how would someone like, they're like, okay, I understand, you know, bouncing my blood sugar is important. How do they start optimizing like their plate, for example, for metabolic health? What are some things to keep in mind? So the first thing I think is we're going for a nutrient density. So you want to eat as much, many colored vegetables as possible, right? Like you're really just trying to get in a lot of nutrition. And and this is the reason I say that first is because I think when it comes to blood sugar, sometimes people switch into this mindset of it's all about the blood sugar. And yes, ultimately we are trying to optimize blood sugar, but most importantly, we're trying to optimize nutrition to the body. So that's always first. Right. Second, I think is, um, always trying to have enough fat and protein on the plate that you're not just basically predominantly eating carbs. So when you eat carbs alone, your blood sugar will rise much higher and much more rapidly than when they're eaten with fat and protein, because fat and protein are digested more slowly. Um, Likewise for fiber. Most people don't eat nearly enough fiber um, and fiber helps to slow down the absorption of blood sugar. So if you're packing your plate full of colors, full of protein, fat and fiber, you're on a really good pathway. And the last thing I guess I would suggest, and and I think you've talked about this in a previous episode is also just the order in which you're eating your food. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, if you can eat the carbs at the end, Mm -hmm. it will be so much easier on your body to process that load than if you do it at the beginning. So reordering. And then if you really want to do your body a favor, when you're done with all of that, go on a short walk after you eat, or like you said, do squats. Mm-hmm. Really anything that gets those muscles working. Yeah. I mean, you can load the dishwasher, like go clean the bathrooms. <laughs> do exactly. Something. Exactly. I almost have a visualization in my mind of my muscles soaking up the sugar yes. from my blood. Mm-hmm. And, um, and especially of course, if I'm wearing the continuous glucose monitor, and like you said, if you see the spike starting to happen, I will start doing squats or something just because honestly, it's because it feels better in my body when my blood mm-hmm. sugar isn't spiked. So I'm trying to avoid that feeling. I know. I'm telling you, you get the EBGBs. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. And, and, and to think that most people, and this was me, are just doing that all day, every day, up and down and up and down and up and down. It's amazing. It's the amount of energy you have when you have stable blood sugar, the more stable your moods are, just the happier you are. It's just everything is better. So how can someone use levels to optimize their metabolic health? So like we've talked about the importance of it, like how do, how do we do it? So levels is available to anyone now. And what happens is you become a member of levels and that gives you the opportunity to kind of access any of the products or services that we have connected to the platform. So the primary one being, like you said, continuous glucose monitoring, Mm -hmm. you can order your CGMs and get started through that. Everything is through our app. 
what you were describing, where it really our intention is to take the raw data that we're seeing from continuous glucose monitoring or from, for example, we do at-home lab testing from your labs yeah. and then use those to guide your journey towards improving your metabolic health. And so, right, like you were saying, like basically saying, okay, we see that you had a rapid spike and here's the meal you ate that created that. So maybe try something else next time for that, for that meal. Um, and it's really set up to be choose your own adventure in the sense that we want the experience to be whatever works best for the individual person. So like you said, some people wear CGM all the time and that's how they choose to do it. Others wear it and then take it off. And maybe then they get an at-home metabolic panel where we're, we're basically doing the blood test that we think most traditional physicians don't do, unfortunately, but that give you a lot of information about your metabolic health. Maybe you're someone who starts with the blood test and a CGM and then you take the CGM off, you integrate things. And then three months later, you do a new blood test and you see where you are. So it's, it's really about helping everyone understand what changes to their habits would be helpful and then giving them ways to monitor their own progress and see the feedback. Yeah. And the, well, and the fact that you can order that uh, metabolic panel from home, but then have help understanding it is mm -hmm. so important because I, there's so many labs that you or so many independent labs, you can order your own lab work for, but so many people get it back and they're like, okay, so what does this mean again? <laughs> and that's yep. not helpful. Right. You know, so no, it's not. And I think the thing about labs is it's really pieces of a puzzle. Sometimes people, I think this is, and this is no one's fault, but this is how it's often presented in the doctor's office is it's like everything hinges on this one number or this other number, yeah. right? Like you have high cholesterol or you don't, you have prediabetes or you don't. And really the way I think about labs is they're little bits of input information that together, along with what you're feeling in your body, along with a variety of other things, create a full picture, a more full picture of what's happening. So they're puzzle pieces. They're not the whole story. And to your point, understanding how those puzzle pieces fit together and helping people understand that that's when it becomes impactful. If it's just numbers, it doesn't really mean much to most people. Yeah. You have to see how it goes together. And if you also, you then have the opportunity to like, know what to do about it. Right. It's like, oh, okay. So this number means I have issues with my insulin, but then you don't know what to do with that. But when you are using levels, like you have that real like information coming at you every time you eat, like, Hey, you know, this is maybe a better way to do things so that your blood sugar is more stable, which I think is really cool. Also saves me because manually, like that's what I've been doing for a lot of my clients is I'll look at their meals and be like, Hey, let's rearrange this. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Now they have an app to have themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's no, it's really exciting. And, and I mean, really the reason I joined levels is because I wanted the product. I wanted everyone that I loved and cared about to have the product and and even the people I don't know, but I just, I feel like it's such a, separately from the fact that I work there now, it really can be an important key to understanding your own health. And yeah. it's something that I hope everyone at some point gets a chance to experience. Yeah. It's so useful. I'll make sure I put the link for you guys to check out levels in the show notes as awesome. well. Awesome. And I was, I was going to say, and for, for people who feel like, for example, maybe levels is too expensive to purchase right now, or it's not the right time for them. We also have a blog that has tons oh, wow. and tons of amazing information on it that anyone can access for free. So that's also a resource if people are just interested in learning more. Yeah. I'm all about the education. Thank you so much for hopping on. Yeah, that was great. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Balancing Hormones Naturally. If you found this helpful, I would love for you to share it with a friend and post it on your stories and tag Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast so we can get this message out. You can find me on Instagram at Leah underscore B-R-U-E-G and I would absolutely love to hear from you.